What's up? It's Moody MD. Listen, I have struggled. We'll get through this together. Yo, I'm TBD. I'm a work in progress, helping us reach our full potential. We on a journey. This is about personal growth. Our voices. Our experience. This is us, transparent, no filter. Life is short. Let's make it sweet. Let's get it. Short and Sweet Podcast, episode number nine, Moody MD. TBD, what's good? How you doing? Hey, I'm I you, okay. You, you said you what? hate when I ask how you doing. Could you, you feel like I, I did. like what you I said, I said, I did, I did. I said that I don't like when people ask me how I'm doing because it's so easy for people to give a pleasantry. I'm doing okay. I'm doing good. Nothing bad when really someone's world can be completely crashing down so Mm. i usually like when people say something like what's new what's been up with you what's good what's new what's bad even though i have taken on to how are you in the last couple of months just because it's so ubiquitous so many people use that phrase Um, Even though like for the year prior, I was like trying to change people's thoughts about it. So now I'm just like, shit, fuck it. But that is that is an interesting take. Like, and it's it's crazy how we just randomly landed on this, because like ultimately, if you ask somebody how they're doing, what if they say, like, you know, I'm feeling suicidal, you have to be willing Mm -hmm. to deal with that conversation. And it's like, were you really? Did you really care about how they felt or how they were doing? Or did you just ask it just to be polite or courteous? And I I do feel like it is like as people, we are more creative. We are better um, than just using common phrases like that. So, you know, that's something to push myself for, like a better opener, a better uh, one liner just to break the ice, whatever. But, you know, we still in our infancy with it, but. Not was getting good. used to each other. Getting used to each other, filling it out. But um, it, speaking of that, like, I just kind of like while working out, um, you know, I just randomly just like my mind would be all over the place. I, I have like a million ideas that just hit me from time to time, and it's just like I, I just have to get it out in the universe, otherwise it'll just float. But so I reached out to, to some of my female colleagues, some of my male colleagues. And I asked the question just randomly. I'm like, would you feel comfortable dating someone that you may significantly more than? Mm. And the response that I got, it kind of was shocking. Like, you know, I expected, because I I know like in previous previous generations, like women would be like, I ain't about to take care of no man. Or I ain't about, like, I don't know if, have you watched Insecure? I haven't watched Insecure. Well, like, you know, Lawrence was kind of the butt of the joke because, you know, Issa made more than him and he wasn't working. And so, you know, the response that I got from maybe it's my my colleague of women are more positive than what I expected. But they're like, you know, I date on potential. I mm. like I don't see a man for where, where where he's at today. I'm looking at where he is five years from now, I'm looking at the energy. I'm looking at his goals, ambition. I wanted somebody to be ratcheted and just on spot. Like, man, I ain't taking care of my man. Like, I, I don't know. But I mean, like, that that kind of birthed the idea of where, you know, 
we randomized like one of our colleagues, one of our friends, like, hey, we need you to be available at this time and come Put up with a on question. The spot with a question. Come up, yeah, come up with a question together. Like you and I will know the question and kind of have some questions off of that. Just have some dialogue with it, just to like challenge the way people think. I want to see what you thought of a segment like that, like just to test it out. I think that's an excellent idea. It's a way to bring in uh, listenership. I feel like right now we've been doing a podcast and we're having listeners that are actually tuning in. However, I'm unsure they're really engaging in the way that we envision them engaging. Like we aren't getting write-ins about, you know, what individuals are able to do for their goals. And so the idea of bringing in people trying to make it more interactive, I think that it can only be a good thing. For sure. Yeah. Let's test it out. And I mean, test so it we got to make sure we, we think about someone's who's good for the first time we're going to do this next episode. I, I got somebody in mind. Um, Someone somebody, who's very opinionated. Opinionated. Um, she's a mutual colleague of both you and I. I already I think know what you're, you're thinking you're, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to hit her up. But um, let, let's, let's hit them with the go. No, you answer that question. Would you date somebody... I mean, you're married, obviously, but I'm just saying, right. like, if you were dating, could you see your, yourself dating someone that you made significantly more than? Like, say, you're making a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, but he's only making twenty thousand. Mm. Okay, so this must not be the question that we're gonna ask next week. We're gonna do something else. Oh yeah, definitely have to do something. Else. Okay, I could, but I don't think it could be significantly less than me I think it would have to be enough so that if I were to not work that his income would be able to support our lifestyle so that's where the problem comes in because it's like what if I have to go on maternity leave and it has to be like an extended maternity leave right and if he can't finance our lifestyle you know then that's going to be an issue for me. So if I'm making, you know, 200,000 and he's making like 65, 70 and, but we're living a pretty modest lifestyle. I think that that's cool. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. Even though I must say like, it is nice. The idea of like your partner as a woman making more money than you. Um, security. It's the security, right? The security makes me feel good. That makes sense. Definitely so what's sense. been up with you? So you kind of already told me you've been having all these ideas kind of running through your mind and things yeah, like yeah. that. So like last week, or I keep on saying last week, we got to get more consistent. Yeah, it's been some time. It's, it's, I feel it's like it's time. all been me though, in terms of like not being very consistent. The last time we met, we talked about change and ways that we can cope and what are the signs of effective changing and how do you deal with that? And we ask some really good questions, as we always do. Like, can someone resistant to change reach the point of being like a mental health diagnosis? And we had talked about adjustment disorder. And I thought that was really interesting because when we were doing our pre-production, you had actually asked me that question. Like, can someone who is resistant to change, can they have a mental health diagnosis? And I was like, can they? And then I was like, yeah, I guess kind of, yeah, sure. And um, is TBD, is there anything that stuck out to you about last episode? Yes, yeah, I spent some time. Um, like, honestly, what really stuck out to me, like, I, I like the whole 
idea of change, um, the one thing that did really highlight that episode was when we when we spoke on like the goal, the goal recap, like reevaluate your purpose to find your goals about adjusting to a big change. So with that, um, like I, I've been doing some searching, like I said, like my mind's all over the place. And <laughs> I remember like I was telling you I had a, applied to get my MBA. Like I don't, my degree has nothing to do with an MBA or anything or business, but I work in a business realm. So I'm just like, fuck it. Let me just apply. I applied, I got accepted. And, you know, so now I'm just like really working on like prioritizing, like, you know, what really means the most to me. Like, so I find myself now keeping a daily agenda like boom I want to hit boom 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 I want to hit this get this off get this accomplished like whereas before like I would really go off off the whelm like I'm very spontaneous like I just kind of just go off the fly and and doing whatever felt good to you that actually that actually brings us into what our goal was because I think we had said something along the lines of reevaluate your goals to try to find a sense of purpose amidst the big change and you're talking about okay you got accepted into this MBA program what's the way that you're going to try to manage your your goals and it seems like setting a routine has been really important for you setting a routine I mean because I I got family I got job like I gotta work out I gotta eat better so I gotta meal prep I gotta spend time quality time with my son I have to spend quality time with my significant other I have to find quality time to study I still have to be productive at work I still have to be engaging at work so I still want to do this podcast so it's just like you know setting up hierarchies of and different goals throughout the day like it definitely could be accomplished and I definitely have seen single mothers work two jobs go to school do xyz make sure their sons get to practice so i i don't have an excuse like it, yeah. it, it, could, that, it could definitely be done you got 24 hours in a day you got to make the most of that Which i do one? feel like you got to make the most of your time that you have and i feel like i haven't been making the the most of my time because so i was thinking about how can I manage goals in like the the terms of like a big change? And there's been so many changes for me since we started the podcast. Like I brought a new house. That was my first time buying a house. And it's a lot of responsibility that if you don't own a home, you might not understand. But owning a home, it's a lot. Um, increased job responsibility because in 2020, my job was, you know, really kind of cush. I wasn't seeing that many patients. And then now it's really kind of picked up. And I've also had like some increased health demands. And I'm just like, how do I keep sight of my goals, my long-term goals, even though I have so much change that's happening? And one thing I got to is the idea of like setting a routine, what you're talking about, even though I haven't really set it down and laid it out like how I need to, because I think I was telling you before that I've been working on this new diet, this autoimmune diet that really helps like my arthritis, Mm -hmm. but I haven't been able to be consistent with it because it's so restrictive. Like you can't have wheat, eggs, dairy, potatoes, carbs, all this other shit that people just eat, right? Processed sugar. 
And so I feel like I'm holding myself back because it's like, how can you know that something makes you feel better and feel more productive and energetic and able to achieve your goals, but yet you're not being consistent in utilizing that tool that, you know, for people who spiritual that God has given you. And so I've been having a hard time with that. And I actually struggled with that goal. And so I'm still working on it. And I plan to update everyone as time goes by. Hopefully I reach closer to trying to define what my goals are in the midst of everything that's happening right now for me. And I thought this phrase that you, I know you know about it because, and we're going to get into it a little later, but I'm not a therapist or a psychiatrist like you, but I feel like right now you're dealing with pluralistic ignorance mm. and what i've that, never heard of that you've never heard of that so that's where we doubt ourselves privately and we feel alone in our way of thinking because others haven't voiced their doubts we are going to get into that because that has to do with our grand scheme main thing but i, I feel like that pluralistic ignorance is what is what yeah, i'm struggling with for sure but so listen, mm-hmm. no, no, no. What were you about to say? Listeners, if you're out there, please, if you're out there, they out there, they out there. Write in, tell us your achievements, how you doing, TBD. Where can they find us? They can find us at short and sweet pod at outlook.com, Instagram, short and sweet pod. And that's it. That's it. Let's get into that. Talk about it or not. Nah. I think I let's I, do it. I took it what two to one last episode not last mm-hmm. week last episode so um i'm gonna kick it off first i'm gonna, I'm gonna start okay. with some uh, some black girl magic zaila avant grande i may have murdered that name but she mm. murdered her spelling 14 year old <laughs> african american the first african-american spelling bee champion we're gonna talk about yes. it yes yay let's talk about it maria Maria. Is that somehow spelled like that of a famous comedian? Did, um, did you see that when yeah, she yeah, said yeah. that? What's his name? Murray. Uh, I forget. Bill the Murray. Bill Murray. Bill Murray. He yeah. is so smart. She knew from the very beginning how to spell that spell that word. I would have never guessed that's how you spell it. She was trolling the whole time. Um, she's very intelligent. She's sweet. She did her little ball, ballerina, whatever, spin, twirl. I didn't know she had game either. Like, you know, she's a, she holds two Guinness Book World Records for dribbling basketball. She got game, 14, super sweet, super like a go-getter mindset. Like, I'm just, I'm happy to see that. I'm happy to see like, you know, young African-American women, like just show like, it's it pays off to be smart. Like, you know. Um, Absolutely. And I, yeah. I want to say that that, uh, that South Asian kid, Indian kid who was sitting next to her was mad, was I angry. I because traditionally it's not, you know, it's not a really whites, it's not blacks, definitely, because she's the first black that won the spelling bee, but it's a lot of South Asian people like from India, Pakistan, or whatever. I feel like children who are raised 
from that cultural perspective, there's a lot more emphasis on educational achievement and standing out in that way. Mm. And so I was just sitting there and just looking at that kid face and that kid was mad <laughs> or saute. I was I, like, I, good yeah, I ain't even watch it, but I mean, do you think like that's more so because he's going to get shunned when he gets home? Like, yo, how you Absolutely. lose to, how you lose Absolutely. to the African-American? Well, look, let me tell this that family hey she's the first she won't be the last like you know this is going to set a trend it's going to set a precedence. you know i misenunciated her name that ain't my thing that's her i'm happy i'm proud like that even inspired me like you know my son is learning italian right now like really? and he's, two, he's two months yeah he's watching these videos really? he gotta say yeah 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 so <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta keep his mind going i gotta teach him young so, you got to keep him on the the Mandarin, man. You know, Mandarin is like the number one Mandarin and Espanol. That's those are like the two number one I, languages. I want him to learn five languages. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it's it's going to be a challenge. So, don't be setting him up for all those high expectations. I know, that no, 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 no I'm kid not. Can possibly I'm, reach. I'm not. I'm not doing that. Like honestly, but education is key. Like even if you don't choose to go to college, you know the more information you know, the better you are. So the more languages you can speak, the more rooms you can get into. You know, if you're Speaking able to- Speaking of not going to, this is on another note. Like we're talking about education and the importance of it. I have a, a nephew who I love very, very dearly, who's been like, he doesn't want to go to college. So he graduated from high school. He's like, he doesn't want to go to college. He might want to do a trade school. And- my sister is very disappointed in that because, you know, she set up these high expectations for him and she feels like by him not going to college, he's not only letting her down, but he's also letting down the, the, the possibility for him to do better. I don't, I don't really feel like you, you know, I think education is important, but there are other ways for you to feel fulfilled to and to impact uh, others and the world in a meaningful way. Ultimately, like parents can't live through their kids. So you have yes. to let your kids do whatever makes them happy. So, I mean, when I say education is key, you have to know the fundamentals, how to read and how to write. Mm -hmm. And so as long as, as long as you can do those critical things and talk, converse, you're, you'll go far, no matter what trade, what industry, whatever. To me, those are those are fundamental things, and you know, when, I agree. just going back to the um, you know the random question: Could you date somebody who you make significantly more than? Is where your mind is. Like you know, I couldn't date someone who couldn't think or couldn't have a who couldn't converse with me. And I feel like right. adversely, I wouldn't want somebody to date me who I'm not challenging her and you know pulling things out of her. So I feel right. like education's key. It's fundamental to our growth and it's fundamental for Americans to break that cycle. Like how you just spoke on, you know, it's very prevalent in the South Asian and Asian um, countries. Like yeah. education is everything. Like, you know, when they send their kids over here, they have a purpose. A we purpose. allow our kids to, I mean, like they see people, creators get paid off of TikTok and YouTube and just doing goofy things. That's our biggest export is entertainment. Whereas when you look at these other countries, their biggest export is something like science or 
math, like math, math whatever. Engineer, so engineer, yeah. all, all those fundamental things. So For we sure. gotta catch we gotta catch up as a as a country. I feel like education. We're we gonna get there, hopefully. Get there. Starting yeah. with this young lady. Good Starting for her. her. Starting with her. So I got a um I got two good ones. I want to start with one that's a little bit of a hot topic. I, I, I noticed you only challenged that one. You just kind of let that go. I didn't. I didn't oh, challenge okay. that one because that was a good one. All right, cool. That was All a good right. one. All right, um, okay, so Felicia Rashad. Felicia Rashad off of the Felicia, Yeah. Felicia, I'm, I'm, I was saying her name wrong and she is sore. Oh my <laughs> God. Felicia Rashad, she voices support of Bill Cosby at the his release release from prison on a technicality um and she says on her twitter just minutes after he is released finally something along the lines of finally a gross miscarriage of justice has been righted so i don't want to go into the idea about um, what bill cosby did, 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 did he it? not do it did he did he do it i want to talk more so along the lines of like supporting people who were there for you or like yeah um, trying to support people who were there for you but then who you also realize that might be in like some hot trouble uh, I, I don't know what's what slip- that for me yeah. all right it's so a I'll slippery be- slope talking about this i was going to talk about the haitian president being assassinated um i don't know if you heard about that story no. um it looks like it was so his wife and child were at the residence and it looks like some CIA operatives busted to the house and they assassinated the Haitian uh, president. They believe that a man tied to South Florida is responsible, but um, definitely the people had the assailants had military experience and, you know, they, Rest in peace to that Haitian president. But um, why? I, why was he killed? Why? I honestly have no idea. So that's why I don't even want to talk about it because I don't even know too much about it. <laughs> you like how you gonna bring something up not know the details? I don't know. The, I mean, because it's still it's you know, still it's, developing. It's, it's, it's still developing. They had to go through all the protocols, and you know, since yeah. this is a high target assassination, like yeah, all that information ain't out, and it's all just theory. So. We can talk about Bill Cosby. So, uh, Felicia, what's it? Felicia, what's her last name? Rashad. Rashad is supportive of Bill Cosby being released on a technicality. <sighs> I don't really have an opinion on this, honestly. Um, you know, I grew up on Bill Cosby. I grew up watching a Cosby show. Uh, if he did it, and I know we weren't going to talk about. Uh, yeah, I just just ask that. I won't even talk about it. Um, yeah, you know, I brought that up because it was just like a, a little bit rusty in terms of what I can think about. I think my opinions on it is that it gets so Blurred. difficult. Yeah, like it's so difficult when you have a loved one who potentially may or may not have done something and trying to figure out if you're going to stand behind them and be vocal about it, or if you're just going to be more so in the background and supporting them and rooting them on, like giving them a phone call and not actually blasting it on social media so that your fans or whatever could, you know, become upset about it. Um, 
But as a lot of people have noted, and I'm not saying whether or not he did it or he didn't, because I don't know, I wasn't there. But with the quantity of women that have come out and said that they were assaulted or harmed by him, it's the idea of like, so many people came out, what are the chances that he actually didn't with the idea of so many people having come out? Wasn't there like I don't know. 32 women that had come out? I don't- It was enough for sure. It was it... like tens of women. Yeah. And I mean, with that, I think it is important to note he did maintain his innocence the whole time. It kind of leads me back to the thing like, Growing up, my mom always said to me, if you ever get in trouble, I got your back no matter what until you admit that you did something wrong, then I can't support you. So Mm -hmm. in that sense, like, you know, my mom was just always like, you know, if you go to jail, if you get in trouble, I'm fighting for you because I know who you are. I know your character. I can attest to it. I can speak to it. Boom. But the moment you tell me you messed up, you did something heinous or blah, 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 blah. I can't rock with it. So I always, you know, stuck with that. He maintained his innocence. Um, I don't really know if he did it or did not. Praying for the victims, the, uh, but, you know, she supports him and I'm, I'm not mad at it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was know. thinking to myself though, like I, I thought that her ass was gonna get canceled though. We talked about cancel culture cancer, and cancel. things like that. She actually just took on a new role at Howard University, like the dean of fine arts or something like Word. that. And so I was thinking that Howard was gonna cancel her ass for that, but apparently, apparently not. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. I mean, you know how much Bill Cosby done donated to the black. Colleges throughout the soul. That's what I'm saying. Like, right, man. Money talks, man. Money, yeah. So, what you got for the last? So, Stephen A. Smith is under hot water after he discusses a Japanese baseball super. A a baseball player is not a superstar because he utilizes a translator. What? So Stephen A. Smith, Stephen A. Smith is a newscaster. He's a news anchor. He works at ESPN. He does all these hot takes. You have seen, you've seen Stephen A. Smith. Your husband watches football. Your husband watches. He the first take. He's the black guy. Who Super always intelligent. Got so many yes, fucking yes, opinions. Yes, like, dog, yes, you always yes, got opinions. Yes. So, yeah. so um, there is a Japanese superstar, Sorochi. I'm not going to even enunciate his name. So, Rochi, okay. he plays for the uh, Los Angeles Angels. And he's having a career milestone year. He's his ERA. Like, he's pitching well. He's hitting well. Like, he's compared to, like, Babe Ruth right now. Wow. Like, his trajectory. And Stephen A. Smith said he's not a star. Nobody knows about this guy because he utilizes a translator. I thought it was interesting. Okay, you want to talk about sports. I got one for sports too, which might have already been played because so many people have talked about it, but college athletes can now earn money from their name, image, likeness across all three divisions. Let's talk about it or not. I feel like they both are interesting. They both are interesting. I'm, I'm, I probably don't want to give up my topic 
Let's talk well, about yours. I feel like mine been talked about a lot. So, and, so the what issue makes a star. What makes well, a star? Markability. You have to be liked mm-hmm. by the people. You have to be championed by the people. The average baseball fan is in their fifties. The fifty-year-old mm-hmm. white man. Mm. and if you're not able to speak to them directly they're not going to champion you they're not they're not related to you so i feel like you know uh a event that just happened over this past weekend conor mcgregor fight conor knows how to sell a fight conor knows how to speak even in losing he's going to talk his he knows how to talk he has a bravado whereas this star he has the skill and we even talked about it with uh, Naomi Osaka. Mm-hmm. She 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 doesn't. She has that anxiety. He, in this instance, he doesn't have the anxiety. It's just English isn't his first language, so he uses a trend. And I mean, like, can we necessarily fault him? He has the skill. You know, if if I'm playing in a different country and that's not my my first language, I want to make sure I say everything politically correct because the media will take your words and twist it. So it's like I can I can see it from both both angles. Like, you know, in order to be a star, you have to be marketed. You have to connect with the people. But then in the same sense and a player, the media may take your words, twist them, run it the other way. You can end up being canceled, lose potential deals, lose earning power. So it's, it's kind of like. a. And honestly, I feel like getting the right. So you're right. In terms of what makes a star is going to be the attractiveness, the connection, the energy. And I think that if the right marketing system was in place, then they would be able to market him. Like I'm imagining a commercial where they have the Japanese flag and then the U.S. flag and him holding them both and him speaking Japanese and then it being translated like blah, blah, blah. all one or or some shit like that you know like so I feel like the right marketing campaign hasn't come out in order to really support him as being that star but I absolutely agree with what Stephen A. Smith is saying like can you really say that he's a star Uh, you know (laughs) is he a standout player yes but is he like a star um, in terms of permeating the general American public's vernacular. And that's the thing, like, is he a star in the States? No, but I'm sure when he goes back to Asia where there are hundreds of millions of people, he's a superstar, he's a phenomenon. Our our biggest export is entertainment. So unfortunately, if he wants to cross over, he is going to have to have the right marketing team to construct him to to build up or he's 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 going to have to take english classes and yeah it's pretty tough it's a, it's a it's an interesting um topic i mean he's definitely having a historic year he participated in a home run derby and then also side note not attacking home but baseball is just behind like just with everything like yeah. i i like baseball i mean shit i got a red tattoo on from cincinnati whatever <laughs> But um, like I I like going to games. I like opening day, but I bet on baseball. But I can't sit. I can't tell you the last time 
I've actually sit sat at my house and watched a full baseball game. For sure, they need to have some hype music in the background. They need something. Yeah. I mean, they they got something that you there. Like you know, they got um, batting music. People walk up to the plate. They got music that plays, but it's just not. It's just a long game. Wow. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, for sure. Yeah, you ready to get into it? Let's get content? into it. Let's let's get into the content. I I, I kind of hit onto it, like kind of with that that social construct of plural pluralistic ignorance. That kind of hits onto the whole grand scheme of imposter syndrome. And um, I know you kind of want to go into the history aspect of it. So with imposter syndrome, I thought it was interesting because the woman, who, one of the two women who coined the phrase, back in the, I know, right, <laughs> back in the 1970s, her name was Pauline, which is funny, though, because everybody who I had went to the doctor, I told you I had went to the podiatrist, right, because I had had those, um, the glass in my foot. But long story short, the podiatrist is going to make a joke and say, Pauline Gloria, are you named after your grandmother? I'm like, that shit is played. I'm like, but yes, I am named after my great grandmother, actually. But anyways, so this these two women essentially talked about the insecurity that initially they thought that it was high achieving women um, who had high accomplishments, but yet still felt unworthy of their accolades and their achievements. So mm -hmm. she did, these two women did a study of college women, um, and found this, but then as time went on and as they continued to do their research, they found that these feelings were actually, um, could be attributed to a little bit of everyone across all domains where you feel unworthy of the accolades and the praises and um, acknowledgement of whatever your accomplishments might be. Do you have any examples like of imposter syndrome that you've oh, gone through? I, I know have, I have plenty. I have quite a few examples. Like, honestly, like when you approached me with the idea of re recording this podcast, I'm like, you're a psychiatrist. What do I bring to the table? Like, what exactly do am I going to do? Like, she's actually an MD. Like, I didn't even have a moniker. Like, I'm, I'm over here, like, just, <laughs> just throwing names DVD. out there. Just call me D, um, blah. But it's just like, you know, I, I feel like oftentimes we doubt ourselves. Um, like, even while being on paternity leave, I was approached by a very prestigious company um, with a with a job opportunity. And I felt like I wasn't ready. Like I looked at my resume, I'm like, I'm not achieved. I looked at the potential salary. I'm like, why should I be making that? Why is this individual reaching out to me, trying to give me this opportunity? Like, what am I doing? Or what is she seeing in me? And Everyone deals with that. Ultimately, like even Maya Angelou, like she was quoted by saying, I run a game on everyone. They're going to find me out. Someone as successful as her, like just having that idea that it's not even like a, a lack of like confidence, but it's just like, it's, it's just kind of like a phenomenon that everyone deals with. Einstein described itself as a involuntary swindler. Like he felt like his work didn't deserve as much uh, attention as it was receiving. Like 
Wow. So those are two major people. Um, Maya Angelou as being this poet and Albert Einstein being like this phenomenal scientist. Yeah. Both of them experienced imposter syndrome they to some level. They, they both experienced it at some level. Um, what about you, Moody MD? Have you experienced it on any yes. level? Yes. I have. Um, I feel like the most that I've experienced imposter syndrome has been as it relates to my career in medicine, going through medical school. Um, when I first got accepted into medical school, I thought this must have been a mistake. Why are they accepting me into medical school? Going through the classes, entering residency, and even now as like a practicing attending where I see patients sometimes I think to myself, like, am I a real doctor? Did I go through residency? Did I go through training? It's almost like I completely forget what my life experiences have been and how they've prepared me for this moment. And I think that when it comes to imposter syndrome, there are certain situations that make it so that you're more likely to experience it. Mm-hmm. And one of those situations for me is being in a context of everyone looking different from me. So I was in a predominantly white institutions. Medicine is predominantly white or Asian, not black. And also being a woman. So being a black woman in medicine has been really difficult and has really brought up those feelings of imposter syndrome. And so much so that I wonder, do I experience it more than other people who don't look like me? That's very interesting because I wanted to head into like who experiences it. Mm -hmm. And that kind of gets into like that whole pluralistic ignorance. I know I had touched on it before, but I'll hit it again. Uh, Pluralistic ignorance is where we doubt ourselves privately because we feel like we're alone in a way of thinking because others haven't voiced their, they haven't voiced their doubts in a situation. So we're around highly successful people on a daily basis. And so we almost do this compare, like, it's like a, um, what do you call it? Like, you're, you're like analyzing yourself against someone else. Like I'm comparing mm-hmm. my education level. I'm comparing like my level. I'm comparing my salary. And we do something called upward comparison mm. where it's like you comparing someone who's really on your level, but you're like, oh, well, I didn't go to this school. So they get an extra point. I didn't do this. So then they get an extra point. So every time you're comparing, you're not comparing equally. You're automatically in your mind thinking that the person is above you in some way sure. when that's not the truth. I like that upward comparison. Not to do dive into that. So what are some of the signs that someone could be struggling with imposter syndrome? I know like for me, I thought it was interesting seeing how, so we talked about self-doubt as being something that's, that's obvious. You're doubting yourself and you have this inability to really like realistically assess your skills. But then there's also other factors that are common signs of that you might be struggling with this. And one is attributing your success to 
external factors. Mm. And I've had that happen to me before where I will have something positive happen to me. I might get into med school and I might think to myself, oh, the only reason why I got into med school is because I'm black. Or the only reason why I got this job opportunity is because I am a diversity hire or because I look a certain way or because, you know, I did something um, instead of attributing it to my own internal factors, such as like my intelligence, my personality, um, the way I present myself, my sophistication. That's a I feel like almost imposter syndrome it gets a negative connotation and that negative stigma because it has syndrome associated Mm -hmm. with it and I feel like that's where it gets downplayed because it's not a disease it's not like any sort of abnormal behavior and it isn't necessarily associated with depression or anxiety this is a Mm -hmm. phenomenon that we all experience well people experience it on different levels and what I want to touch on now is how to overcome it. Yeah, let's, let's definitely talk about that. But I think that's interesting, though, because when a lot of people, when most people hear syndrome, they're automatically going to think that there's something wrong with you, that you're doing something that's abnormal. Like you said, though, however, it's something that everyone is going to, you know, essentially struggle with. And it doesn't mean that you're necessary. There's no correlate between imposter syndrome and depression or anxiety. And so I'm interested. How can people overcome it? How can people overcome it? Um, You have to communicate. Open communication is key. You have to communicate academically and professionally about different things that, um, you have to communicate about academic and professional challenges with your peers because everyone, no one knows everything. So those people who you provide that upward comparison to, have the have open dialogue challenge their their ideologies challenge their thoughts and you know you may give yourself that boost of confidence and then so what is what do you mean by that like communicating openly with with others is that like yo i'm jealous of you because i think xyz is that true am i thinking right no no, what is that conversation you gotta do it in a in a professional sense, like, mm-hmm. you know, um, for instance, I do, I handle purchasing for, okay. I handle purchasing for Amazon. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a purchaser for Amazon. See, you cracking me up this episode. So it, it is what it is. Like I, I handle purchasing for Amazon. So I don't like, I'm not new to the purchasing field, but I'm new to, the whole construct of how Amazon purchases. Hmm. So if I have conversations with my peers and challenge my peers on different thoughts, you know, it's only going to make us all better to where we can, we can collectively have conversations. Um, Like for instance, I don't know how Amazon, I don't know how to present a, a cost savings at my position right now. I know how to I know how to draft up a cost savings. I know how to show deflation. I know how to show cost avoidance. I know how to divvy up everything in my uh 
my proposals. But so is it like seeking assistance from other people? So seeking assistance, seeking advice, and just having open dialogue, challenge each mm. other's, like see what their challenge, see what their challenges are, see what they're mm. having issues with, because you may you may hold some information that they don't know. So you know you're only going to get better by challenging yourself by having open conversations and then having um like one you have to have those self-admiration talk we talk about this or like we hit on this all the time like you have to like you have to say to yourself you are talented and you belong Mm. anytime you have that doubt you are talented you belong so really like it's almost like you got to be your own hype person like in your head you know instead of having this self-defeatist self-defeatist attitude and making self-disparaging comments about yourself instead being more positive about you know the energy that you can bring to the environments that you um that you maintain absolutely absolutely you gonna hit us with the goal or you got anything else with the for the concept well i think it was um they actually had talked about in one article we read about the kind of um, imposter syndrome person that you might be. And we had mentioned that I I'm more like this. an imperfectionist. Oh, no, I'm no, a perfectionist. No, no, bring it up, bring it up, bring it up. I forgot about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is, um, no, nah, I definitely, definitely want to talk so, about that. Imposter syndrome can appear in a number of different ways. And there are a few different types of imposter syndromes that have been identified. One is the perfectionists that are never satisfied and always feel that their work could be better. Two is the superhero because these individuals feel inadequate. They feel compelled to push themselves to work as hard as possible. Three is the expert who tries to know everything about everything. Four is the natural genius. And fifth is the soloist. The soloist, um, these people tend to be very individualistic and prefer to work alone. So you have the perfectionist, the superhero, the expert, the soloist, and then also the genius who set excessively lofty goals for themselves and then feel crushed when they don't succeed at them first. And I already know which one I am. I'm glad you brought this up because that's our goal which one of the um which type of imposter syndrome do you deal with the perfectionist superhero the expert the natural genius or the soloist moody md you are you are the perfectionist (laughs) you are the perfectionist yep uh never satisfied and always feel that their work could be better yep rather focus on their strengths they tend to fixate on uh, on any flaws or mistakes that is that's absolutely me. That that's is absolutely. When I saw that and absolutely. I saw perfectionist, I'm like, okay, that's me. That's your to a T. So Moody MD, which one am I? You the psychiatrist? You've known me for a minute. Which one am I? Uh, I feel like, um, no, no. Do you have an idea of which one you are? I'm looking at the expert or the superhero. I'm I'm a, feel, I'm a mix between the superhero and the soloist. And the soloist. Okay. All right. The superhero and the soloist. I can see that. 
Well, for all our listeners, I'm excited to hear what you all might feel like you are. And if we don't hear back from you guys, D and I will talk more, TBD and I will talk more about what it's been reflecting on what our type of imposter syndrome has been over the next couple of weeks until we meet again. Until we meet again. Peace. Peace. Peace.